the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining. Underway at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Tuesday, the seventh morning of the very first month of the year of our Lord and the new decade, uh, the year of our Lord twenty twenty. Thanks for being with us. Uh, wow, a ton of news to get into. We have spent a lot of time analyzing what the left has said over the course of the last twenty four hours since we last got together yesterday making absolutely no sense whatsoever. But I just pointed, or I just posted, rather, another article to really underscore this because a previous caller brought up the 2800, I think it was TJ, the 2800 strikes on Iraq and Syria that were launched by Barack Obama at his direction without congressional approval. Um, and, and, and the hypocrisy here just needs to be laid bare. We'll get Kirsten House comments on this, but just briefly, uh, this is Washington Times, April 2015. The past weekend's attacks brought the total to 1,458 strikes in Iraq and 1,343 in Syria by U.S. forces. Coalition forces allied with the U.S. have conducted another 655 attacks on Iraqi targets and 95 in Syria. Mr. Obama has justified the attacks under his commander-in-chief powers. And under the 2001 resolution authorizing force against Al-Qaeda and the 2002 resolution authorizing the ouster of Saddam Hussein in Iraq. So Barack Obama used his executive authority, his commander-in-chief powers, to strike over 2,800 times in Iraq and Syria without one single congressional approval. And now we listen to the left screaming that Donald Trump is violating law by killing Soleimani without their say-so. Peter Carsonow joining us now for the first time in the new year. Peter, of course, is still a Cleveland attorney. He is still a best-selling author. He is still a columnist for uh, the National Review and in other places. And he is still, of course, a member of the United States Commission on civil rights. Peter, good morning. Welcome to the new year, my friend. Thanks, Bob. Great to be here. Just 36 days till spring training, 79 till the opening game. And I was listening to your intro, 
And uh, boy, it's spot on. The you know, if it weren't for double standards, the left would have no standards <laughs> at all. It's truly astonishing. And in addition to that, you know, I, I was aware of the uh, strikes that Obama had launched in Syria and um, in uh, Iraq. But there were other strikes. You know, he launched strikes in Yemen, and then there were strikes in Afghanistan also. Now, Afghanistan, at bare minimum, uh, at least we had an authorization of force in place. But consider the the left's hysteria about what Trump has done has to do with, well, you know, he struck this guy, uh, you know, who wasn't a combatant at the time, and, you know, this guy was a revered leader. Uh, You know, I I suspect for a considerable period of time, Hitler was a revered leader also. But remember when, among other things, I mean, there were a number of these kinds of strikes, but the one I'm about to mention was a strike on a wedding party that he had authorized, a drone strike on a wedding party that ended up killing, as I recall, 23 women and 10 children. And the purpose for that strike was apparently there were two or three, I don't remember how many, but it was a low number of just kind of intermediate level Taliban people. Nobody of any note, really, but they were Taliban. So he orders that strike, crickets from the media and from the left, but I repeat myself. (laughs) <laughs> no quite yes you do and uh and we're going to talk about that because i was kind of repeating myself by playing uh back-to-back montages from prominent democrats and prominent media uh straight uh, uh condemning trump trump uh, criticizing trump and defending and almost eulogizing the terrorist Soleimani. uh so let's get into this pete this way first of all bernie sanders was on live television <clears throat> with uh, Anderson Cooper, shock of all shocks that it's on CNN, uh, declaring this to be an assassination. A lawyer on these things, it might be. But this guy is, you know, was as bad as he was an official of the Iranian uh, government. And you unleash, then, if China does that, you know, if Russia does that, you know, Russia has been implicated under Putin with assassinating dissidents. So once you're in the business of assassination, you unleash some very, very terrible forces. And- two things there, Peter Kirsten. Now, number one, was this an assassination? Number two, how do we compare an American president ordering a strike against a uniformed military officer, the general of the Iraqi forces, on foreign soil as he, uh, in the aftermath of an attack that was carried out and while planning another attack, uh, how does he compare that to Putin killing political dissidents in his own country? I don't know how he can do that. This is coming from a man, remember, who spent his honeymoon in the Soviet Union at a time when we were at the height of the Cold War. It was extremely difficult, if not virtually impossible, to enter the Soviet Union as a citizen without any kind of diplomatic sanction. Yet he was honeymooning there, and he has the audacity, the temerity to say this is an assassination, this is somehow unlawful, that this is somehow beyond the pale. It is comparable to what they would do, that what Putin would do, or what China would do. I, I want to remind him that Putin and Xi head up to the most repressive societies in the world. And despite the fact that Democrats and media are renting their garments about the United States of America, this is the freest society in the history of the planet. This is just an abomination. And I tell you, Bob, the Democrats really have to think about I hope they don't, frankly. I hope they keep saying this kind of stupid stuff because that will lead to taking over the House again, expanding our margins in the Senate, and Trump being reelected. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, it's hard to say this about an entire political party, 
But we're at a point in America where we have to legitimately ask, I mean, responsible people have to ask. This is not one of these things where you're kind of on the street and say this casually and flippantly, but responsible people have to ask in responsible forums whether or not the Democratic leadership is on America's side. That's a legitimate question to ask at this point. Uh, In researching my first novel, I researched Soleimani thoroughly. This was years ago, before he was a name in most most circles. In fact, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you 95% of Democrats never heard of the guy before uh, Trump did this. We wouldn't care about him, frankly. But this, and this is saying something, but this guy ranks among the most evil people on the face of the earth, maybe in history. Now, he doesn't have the track record of the people like a Mao who's killed millions and millions and a Stalin and a Hitler. But if he had the wherewithal to do so, I'm sure he would gladly do it. He was responsible for the killing of thousands and thousands of Iranians and Syrians and, and heck, just about every nationality in the Middle East, but also American soldiers. It is beyond reprehensible for an entire party and the media, but I repeat myself, to align themselves with someone like this. And again, it's the double standard of Obama was privileged to do anything he wanted to do, and the media lauded him. They thought he was the greatest thing in the world. He was the the light worker. Uh, They admire the crease in his pants. But if Trump does what Americans expect a president to, what a president's first obligation to the citizenry is, that is, protect Americans and American safety. If he does it, all of a sudden he's a terrorist, and you have people out there calling for the Iranians to assassinate our president and his kids. This is astonishing stuff. We, we are at, we've been saying this for a while, Bob. We're at a pass in history right now that we've never seen before in the United States of America. Peter, you're 100% correct about that. The last part, uh, as evidence of this and the hypocrisy here, we can look to 2012, not that terribly long ago. Um, uh, Barack Obama, then President of the United States, made a decision to strike without congressional authority, which he didn't need to have. I'm being consistent here. Uh, uh, in an attempt to kill a senior al-Qaeda figure, Abu Yahya, if I'm saying this correctly, Alibi, Chuck Schumer, in June of 2012, tweeted this killing of abu yaha alibi is a huge blow to al-qaeda and evidence that president obama's bold and decisive drone strike policy is working right um somebody's gonna have to explain this to me president trump used a bold and decisive drone strike policy and it's going to lead to world war three um Pete, pete speak to that and then also speak to this what we are being told here by the Democrats and by the left is Trump didn't have the authority to do this because of the ramifications that it's going to make Iran so enraged and so mad that they may try to kill Americans. Um, refresh my memory. Were they not chanting death to America while John Kerry and Barack Obama were on their knees kissing the Ayatollah's rear end during that nuclear Iran nuclear deal negotiation? They were while we were sending them cash. They were saying death to America. Now we're killing Soleimani, and they're still saying death to America. But now suddenly it's more serious. I, I, I'm yeah. fail, failing to understand the logic. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the logic is there is no logic. We have. Forty years, at least Iran believed they were at war with us, and they were taking actions consistent with being at war with us, merely because we turned a blind eye toward it, or maybe would have, you know, some type of sanction here or there, did not mean that we were not at war with Iran at the time. It is really 
I can't even think of the appropriate adjective. I don't want to be unnecessarily enraged on your on your show, but this is it's extraordinary. Why should you be any different? <laughs> Remember, among other things, again, by way of comparison, when Barack Obama ordered the drone strike against an American citizen, it was against an American citizen. Now he was a despicable human being. He was a terrorist. Anwar al-Awlaki. But he ordered a, a drone strike on an American citizen. And guess who else was killed? His 16-year-old American citizen son, who I believe was visiting him from Colorado, a high school student from Colorado. Crickets, again. Where were all these people who are currently in high dudgeon about what the President of the United States did with, with respect to possibly the most despicable human being living on the face of the earth today, or who was living on the face of the earth today, to what they're doing now? Now, um, with respect to... Um, you know, uh, Iran and what type of look adults understand that whenever you take some form of military action in any form whatsoever, it entails risk. That's the nature of military action. We understand that. And it's not to diminish it. To do that raises the risks to people in theater, raises risks of terrorist attacks all over the world. It does all of those things. We get it as adults, but we think the greater risk is to engage in a policy of appeasement and not recognize that we're currently at war with this despicable regime, and they've been at war with us, and they're going to continue hitting us regardless of what Trump had done. What we do know is the mastermind of these hits was Soleimani, and had we not hit him, he'd continue to do it. In fact, all intelligence indicates, no one's been able to refute it, that in fact he was about to engage or mastermind another attack on the U.S. Embassy. General David Petraeus, former CIA director and commander of Central Command of all troops in, in the Middle East, said yeah. this is more significant than taking out Osama bin Laden. And I believe that to be true. I want to talk about that a little bit more coming up as well. I've got Petraeus, and I want to hear your thoughts on a couple of other things. But uh, just to kind of uh, put a cap on what we're just saying right now, here's the Democrat logic with respect to our policy with Iran. We must stop killing people who are trying to kill us, or else they might get angry and try to kill us. Peter Kirsten, I'll back with us after this. All right, 1024, we continue now with uh, Peter Kirsten out. Pete, I said I was going to go to Petraeus, but I'm going to hold off on that, actually, so that we can move into the other, or the second of three big discussions that we wanted to have here, and that is uh, the ongoing uh, charade uh, being uh, played by the, uh, the the Democrats in the House. Nancy Pelosi continuing uh, to hold on to the articles of impeachment. Now we've got all kinds of actions being taken on the Senate side. Uh, some would like, including Jeff Hawley, would like um, uh, to, to just have the entire thing dismissed. He wants uh, Mitch McConnell to change the rules of the Senate, which he is allowed to do under the Reid rule, and just dismiss this thing out of hand. But I don't suspect the president would go for that. I think the president wants his day in court. He knows he didn't do anything wrong. He knows he's going to be acquitted, and he doesn't want this thing to be hung over his head in the 2020 election cycle as, well, the Democrat, or excuse me, Republicans protected him by canceling his trial because they knew he, he did do something wrong. Do you want to see them uh, make this procedural move and head this thing off, or do you want to see President Trump get his day in court? Yeah, I'm a little conflicted about this, and we talked about this briefly last year, Bob. <laughs> Actually, it was just a You're few right. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and at that time, I was strongly in favor of having a full-blown hearing, and I said 
Uh, it didn't necessarily have to happen in the impeachment context, although that's the most immediate context in which it could plausibly be raised. It could happen in some other type of hearing uh, at, the, at the Senate level. It doesn't have to necessarily be in the impeachment hearing, but I think that's the most likely place. I would understand and consider that there, is, there are political realities to simply having it dismissed. I get that, and I don't think there's a major downside to the president or to the country to simply dismissing them outright, because let's face it, the Democrats have not made their case. So they could, it's like a motion for summary judgment, just move to dismiss, be dispense with it, and by doing so, send ostensibly a signal that says this is not even worthy of our consideration, doesn't even rise to the level, evidentiary level of an impeachable offense, let alone a substantive level of this being an impeachable offense. That said, I still come down on the side of there has to be a public accounting for something that is of this magnitude. Bob, it is not an exaggeration to say that this was an attempt to, I hate to use the word coup, but to overturn the results of a properly conducted election. And they've done it on a couple of occasions now with the Russia hoax, now with the Ukraine hoax. This is, this is extraordinary. And the individuals who've been involved in this entire, uh, it, it, it's not right to even call it a farce because a farce sounds like it's lighthearted. This is serious stuff. People need to be held to account, and although we sometimes despair as conservatives because we've seen so often that people don't get held to account if they're on the left, the attempt needs to be made, and more importantly, there has to be a complete public airing of what transpired, an airing that can't be spun. In other words, it's there. It will be broadcast, and people can make their own decisions as to what transpired, as opposed to getting it filtered by the press. If you don't conduct a hearing like this, we know that the media, which is an adjunct of the Democratic Party, is simply going to, and I hate to say this, they will lie about it. We've seen that they will lie, or they will not cover something. And too many people will be left with the impression that, in fact, there was some legitimate basis for all of this. But more importantly is, again, for political hygiene, this needs to be done. We cannot have the greatest republic in the history of the world go through this process of trying to corrupt our processes, our election processes, our, our uh, prosecutorial processes, our political processes, and there be no accounting of it. It's imperative that this be laundered, that people get to see this unfiltered by the media. However, I agree, by the way, however, um, if Pelosi continues to play this game and holds on to these, what if she holds on to it until after the uh, Democratic National Convention? That way she doesn't have to subject the senators who are running in the primaries uh, to, uh, you know, to, to sit in uh, in Washington during this trial and, and be away from the, uh, uh, from the campaign trail. And what if she does it just maybe a month or two or three right before the election, just so that they can say, we are running against a man who is currently on trial for his very presidency. How can you possibly think about electing them again if they're going to play that game don't we kind of have to say no that's it change the rules um as um uh, jonathan turley wrote for the hill today uh it's very easy for the uh, uh the senate to change the rules uh if the house is not going to play fairly in terms of uh sending those articles over Sure, I, I think that's true. I, I agree with that entirely. I think the American people, if they hold on to this for even a couple more weeks, and I think the American people, a majority of them, have now concluded that this is nothing but a, a political stunt, yeah. and there's nothing there. But if they hold on to it through, through the primaries, and I understand what you're saying, 
from a political perspective, you've got several senators who are running who are, are constrained by this. They're, they're going to be severely hurt by this if they have to vote on it now or if the deliberations are going on now and they can't campaign. But if it goes on for too much longer, especially beyond the political cycle of the Democratic um, primaries, this thing will be the biggest farce, and no one is going to be able to defend it. Not even, not even the media and MSNBC will be able to defend this in a credible way, and I think even people who want to believe that this is somehow a useful process or credible, are, are they're going to understand this is a complete farce. So I think from a political perspective, they've got to do this rather sooner rather than later. Otherwise, I think Republicans are justified in simply saying, nah, no mas, we're not even going to entertain this, but we're still going to conduct a hearing before whatever it may be, Senate Judiciary Committee and as to how we got to this part, because we're not right. going to let people get away with this stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. There has to be something. There has to be some presentation, I agree, but I don't know how uh, how much weight it will carry if we don't actually have the trial and thus the vote and the acquittal. Peter Kersenow continues with us right after this. We're going to talk about free speech in America and why liberals love it when they get to rip conservatives, but absolutely hate it when they get ripped by one of their own. We'll talk about that next right here on AM 1420. The Ten thirty-six onward, we roll on this Tuesday. Peter Kersenow still with us, United States uh, Commission on Civil Rights, among other things. Hey, Pete, before I get into Ricky Gervais and uh, ask your thoughts on uh, on what happened at the Golden Globes, I want to I want to get your expertise on this as it pertains to the Senate trial on the impeachment articles. Is it is it fair if this were a court of law to consider Mitch McConnell, since he runs the Senate as the majority leader, the judge, and if that's an accurate statement or comparison can the judge not say look this is the date of the trial prosecution be prepared defense be prepared uh if you're not prepared um we it, it will be booted it will be booted from court um it, it, i know i'm being, being very simplified here oversimplification here but uh is it not that way that if a judge says this is when the trial is and the prosecution is not ready then uh the, you know they, there's no case the Senate Majority Leader is not the judge. Now, the way the Senate trial occurs, of course, is the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court will preside over it, but even he doesn't act as a judge, per se, because the Senate is entitled to make its own rules, meaning the majority will make their own rules, and they can change the rules if they want to, change the rules in midstream if they want to, although that has political ramifications if they do that. There are cosmetic reasons why you don't want to do that, optical reasons you don't want to do that, but effectively, the point that you make is Mitch McConnell, as Senate Majority Leader, has incredible power, some of the powers that he have are akin to those that may be exercised by a judge in a court, and he can, if he, has, if he knows he's got the support of his caucus, of, of, of at least 51 senators, he can make pronouncements related to the rules that effectively say, we're, we're dismissing this, we're out of here, we're not doing this anymore. 
so the analogy is an imperfect one, although there are aspects of it in which he exercises some of the power in a manner that is similar to that which is exercised by a judge in a court. Got it. Thank you. I just wanted that clarification because I'm looking for a way to make this thing go away without making it look like we're just making it go away because they're trying to protect the president who can't right. defend himself. I want to make it look like what it is, that the prosecution has nothing. And, the, and if you have nothing to present, then the, the case is dismissed as it would be in a, in a, in a court of law. Okay, uh, Pete, let's all enjoy this again for about one minute and uh, 12 seconds. Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama, yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your god. And so, the, uh, <laughs> the silence there, of course, is when he told them right. to accept their little award and uh, thank their agent and thank their god and then blank off. Pete, it's been 48 hours, and the left is still triggered over this. They are livid. They are furious. Uh, how dare this liberal Brit come in here and tell all of us liberal, elitist Hollywood icons uh, the truth about us, uh, that we are in no position to lecture the American people about anything. How dare you? <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Derek, for that drop. Uh, Pete, go ahead. Uh, there's so much good to say about this. It was gratifying to see it. Of course, I didn't watch it uh, in real time. Like most of us, I found out about it afterwards by, you know, reading some blog site or something. And it was, one, you know, it was one of those things where several friends of mine would call and say, did you see the Ricky Gervais uh, clip. And then uh, other friends would bring in their, their tablets or something and, and say, you got to see this stuff. It's something that I think resonated with more than just conservatives. But I think, it, 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 look, it registered with anybody who's tired of being lectured to by people who, frankly, if they didn't have a lucky break, most of them, if they hadn't had a lucky break, have very little talent to do much else. And I don't mean to be, you know, demeaning of these individuals in the same fashion that they are of us, but they sit up on a platform and lecture to us when they're the biggest hypocrites in the world, and those behind them are the biggest hypocrites in the world. You played, I think, the, the money clip from the entire um, monologue that he had, the eight-minute monologue, Pre uh, preceding that for the people who hadn't seen it was, you know, he was making a reference to Apple's streaming service and how great this one show is, one of his shows, in fact, and they flashed to Tim Cook, the chairman of Apple, who was sitting there in his tux preening, just so proud of himself when reference was made to Apple, and in the very next moment... <laughs> Gervais eviscerates him. It was incredible, and he said it in such a credible way. All of these woke corporations that lecture to us, the Nikes of the world, who, by the way, Colin Kaepernick, as we know, raised his head again to tweet about Soleimani to say, oh, we'd only do this, we only do this to brown and black people to forward our imperialism. And Colin Kaepernick, of course, may be one of the dumbest uh, football players on the face of the earth, and, you know, that could be saying something, but nonetheless... For Colin Kaepernick's purposes, uh, Iran isn't black or brown. Uh, you know, these are Caucasians over there. But more importantly is he's out there 
as the representative of a major corporation that apparently has no compunction about just ripping the United States, its fundamental principles to shreds, its flags to shred, its presidents to shred. They've got no problem doing that and defending one of the most vile and despicable human beings on the face of the earth. And that's what Hollywood does on a regular basis. They're the ones who protected Weinstein. And one of the great lines was something to the effect of uh, when he was talking about, I think, Sandra the Bullock producers. Was up in producer award uh, for the, the, the movie Bird Box, which is a movie about people who survive by pretending not to see anything, which he said was something similar to Weinstein. And everybody was like stunned to say that. But all reports indicate that virtually all of Hollywood knew what Weinstein was up to. But because he was the biggest producer around, he was a kingmaker and a star maker. Everybody countenanced it and remained silent. All these woke frauds. It was, you know, it was one of these things where you only get eight minutes of pleasure to watch it and it has to come very often in the popular culture from someone like a Ricky Gervais someone like a David Chappelle you know even the Jerry Seinfelds of the world the Kevin Hart's of the world have said they will not work on college campuses because of the woke culture there there's no humor anymore you can't even have the the luxury of a little bit of banter back and forth anymore because the left the woke scolds will ruin your career if you do so. And notice that Gervais said, look, um, this is my last host. You better believe it's the last time he hosts the Golden Globes. But he said, I don't care anymore. You've got to be at that point. Or like when Gervais actually came to the defense of, and she didn't need it, of liberal J.K. Rowling, who had the audacity to say someone shouldn't be fired for pointing out the, 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 the fact that men and women are different. They're, they're men and women and these are sexes immutable. And in Britain, somebody got fired from their job for, for saying that, and J.K. Rowling came to her defense, and Ricky Gervais came to J.K. Rowling's defense. Not that J.K. Rowling, a billionaire, needed to be defended. I mean, she, no matter what happens... She's a billionaire a Trump hater, by the way. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But the fact of the matter is, this kind of stuff happens every day to ordinary Americans. They lose jobs. They get chastised in some fashion. If you're on a college campus, you know you better keep your mouth shut. Otherwise, a professor is going to take some kind of adverse action against you. Uh, the, the, the stifling of conservatives is extraordinary. I mean, I won't go into the numerous occasions in which, you know, uh, individuals kind of suggested to me, for example, I may want to kind of curb what I say. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to do that. I I will not do those things that will unnecessarily, you know, harm somebody else's interests. That's not what I'm about, you know, and I'm not trying to be out here trying to, um, you know, make provocative statements. But all across America, Good faith individuals are being denied the opportunity to say the obvious and speak the truth, and we see it as a breath of fresh air, especially when it's done in the fashion that Gervais did it to the exact crowd who sits on their high horses lecturing to we deplorables. Every single person there except for the wait staff was a liberal and a Democrat, and it took someone like Gervais to tell them, you guys are full of you-know-what. And uh, it was gratifying. I like the Epstein line, too, since we're doing the whole thing, the, uh, the Epstein line. He said, uh, yeah, I can't remember exact, the exact wording of it, but when he said, yeah, I know he's your friend, uh, but, but uh, I don't care. Uh, and and the, the faces, you mentioned the face of Tim Cook. You mentioned the face of somebody. When they, when they was pointed out that so many of them were indeed friends with Weinstein and, and covered their eyes, and when so many of them were friends with Epstein and uh, they covered their eyes, um, all of these things, again, they just did not expect to ever be called out 
for, especially by, quote, one of their own. I know he's not necessarily Hollywood, but he still is uh, an entertainer. He's a Brit, uh, and and uh, he called them out in ways uh, they, they just did not appreciate. And, Pete, let me follow it and end it with this. Since we're talking about humor, and since we are talking about comedians, how do you respond to George Lopez? Um, for those who don't know... Yeah, for the, for those who don't know, George Lopez um, responded to the Iranian threat, or not threat, but the placing of a an eighty thousand eighty million dollar bounty on the head of President Trump in response to the uh, Soleimani killing. Uh, George Lopez tweeted, "We'll do it for half." And I don't know who we is, uh, but uh, obviously it was a direct threat as far as I am concerned. We'll kill Donald Trump for half that amount. Uh, it's something that the Secret Service should take very seriously. Uh, but others are saying, come on, it's a comedian. It was a joke. He hates Trump, and he told a joke. What is your, what's your yeah, statement on that in comparison to, to the Golden Globe stuff? Remember this. Remember that um, at that rodeo, that, uh, that guy who dressed up, with, he was a rodeo clown, and he put I remember. on an Obama mask? Yep. And he lost his job because of that. You know, it was innocuous. Here we have millions of people, literally millions of people, calling for the assassination of Donald Trump or members of his family. And this guy does this in that context. Uh, look, he'll get a pass. Nothing's going to happen to him. We all know that because he's of the left. If this had happened to Obama, can you imagine? Well, first of all, George Lopez would no longer have a job. And he couldn't get a job for the rest of his life. That's not an exaggeration. You know that's the case. Here he's going to be lionized by the same people who had those, you know, stunned expressions on their face when Ricky Gervais was telling them the truth. I, you know, I like this guy, by the way, Tom Hanks. I, I like him as an actor. He seems to be a decent human being. Yes, he's he probably not, not deeply invested in politics, but you looked at his face. His face really was like, I've never heard this kind of stuff. It wasn't that he was disgusted by it, but it was like someone threw a pot of cold water in his face. Like, I've never been exposed to this before, and they aren't. They're in that insular environment where everyone thinks the same way, and all the good people, of course, think that way, and all the good people, of course, think that Trump is the most evil person to walk the face of the earth. Not Soleimani. That's, that's where we are today. And I think from a political perspective, the Democrats are playing with fire here because we have not yet gotten to the point. I, I will concede to you that we have an uncomfortably large subset of the American population that would go along with this kind of stuff. But we have not yet gotten to the point where the majority of Americans will countenance this kind of anti-American activity. Peter Kersenow laying it out for us as only he can. Peter, it's so great to talk to you for the first time in 2020. I look forward to doing it again each and every week. Thank you so much, my friend, for your brilliance. Same here, Bob. Take care. That's Kersenow on AM 1420. The answer, it's 1048. Time out. Final segment coming up. If you want to be heard, dial up right now. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. The Bob Brands Authority back at six. Yes, indeed. Final segment of the broadcast this morning. Stay where you are when I'm done because Mike Gallagher's got you until noontime. Then you're going to have Dennis Prager. You're going to have the brilliant Dr. G. Then you're going to have some brilliance from Jay Secular Live. Then Larry Elder. It's a tremendous, tremendous place to be. If you have the radio on today and you're interested in something other than music or buffoonery, this is where you want to be on AM 1420. The answer. Uh, real quick, one, one more thought on... Um, Ricky Gervais and uh, and some of the stuff that he touched on. 
that touched the nerve for for Hollywood. You know, uh, Peter was talking about Tom Hanks and a very genuinely good guy. I think there are some genuinely good people in Hollywood who are not overtly political. But the reason we don't know about them is they're terrified to acknowledge themselves as such. If they don't go along with this LGBTQ uh, um, uh, agenda or that uh, minority rights agenda or this climate agenda or that one, and they just want to be actors and actresses and entertainers who are not political, or, God forbid, and this is really dangerous, that they're actually conservative in a number of political ways, uh, it's career suicide. That, so, so I'm sure there are a lot of nice people, good people in that crowd who are afraid to not be a part of uh, the agenda. And to that end, I want to say this. Countless numbers of people um, on, that, uh, on that stage on Sunday night um, made a point of talking about the Australian bushfires, which are, by the way, awful, horrible, terrible. They made a point of talking about how, uh, oh, what, almost half a billion animals have been killed or injured, and it's only getting worse. There, I think, have been three humans who have been killed. Uh, obviously, tons of damage to the, uh, uh, to the, uh, to the continent of, of Australia. And that is horrible. And they went to that stage, including the first winner, which I think was Russell Crowe, who wasn't there, but he sent a message to be read by the presenters. And in this case, it was Jennifer Aniston, who read his statement about how he's not there because he's down in Australia trying to help. Uh, be, uh, uh, and the way we can help is by fixing the planet, because this is caused by climate change. And a, a number of them went up there to do that. A number of them made that point. Climate change is leading to the brush fires, the bush fires, rather, in Australia. Meanwhile, while they're up there advancing the liberal agenda of climate change activism, police in Australia have taken legal action against more than 180 people during what is their annual bushfire season. And those 180 people have been arrested for arson. Okay? 24 have been charged, 180 arrested for arson. In other words, the climate isn't setting fires. People are. It's arson. 24 charged with alleged deliberately lit bushfires. 53 had legal actions taken against them for failing to comply with the total fire ban. And 47 uh, for discarding lighted cigarettes or matches on dry land. The other blame goes to some of the land management personnel in the Australian government, who, according to the folks down there, I don't know this, obviously, I'm here, but uh, they have not lit you know, backburns, they have not done any backburns for a couple of decades, which, of course, is, is very important in terms of, an, uh, you know, if a forest or an area is being overgrown, if there is a spark, it's going to be devastating if, unless they do backburns. In other words, natural breaks in the, um, uh, the forestry so that if there is a fire, it will eventually run out of fuel to continue to feed itself. They have not done backburns and managed the land down there very well at all. So this is not the climate. This is not about you using plastic straws or cows farting all over America that has led to bushfires in Australia. It's mankind making stupid decisions that is leading to that. Mark in Fairview Park. Go ahead, Mark. Morning, Bob. Well, that same story in California, even even uh, with the uh, regular, the uh, lying news, you know, they admitted it was like 98% of these fires in California were started by man. That's and, right. And uh, everything's been let go for years and years and years. But anyhow, I just wanted a quick comment on, uh, 
you know, the 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 fools. Uh, these people are uh, they're just the embodiment of hypocrisy. I watched this uh, uh, field marshal Buttigieg the other day, and you know, it's, uh, it's just laughable, but it's pathetic. But anyhow, uh, on one station uh, they had this. I, I think his name was like Movella or something like that. For some reason, my uh, radio. Okay, let's in the st- let's stick with this station. Let's stick with this oh. station. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, but the, uh, the guy was going on about you know. Uh, uh, boy, if one American is killed in this situation or whatever, he's uh, it's, it's going to be on the conscience of the president and everything else. Well, what does he think's been going on for the last eight years? You know, before before the president even got in. I mean, well, what, what has been uh, going on since 1979? More more decidedly here, Mark, because the Iranians mm-hmm. have been waging war uh, on Americans and have been killing Americans literally since then. Uh, it, it's what Pete and I were discussing before. Uh, they have been trying to kill us or actually carrying out, and in particular, Soleimani killing us for years. Uh, they can't kill us more uh, than they already were because we took out one of their bad guys. Thanks for the call, Mike and Lakewood. Next time, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, uh, that Kirstenau guy is an idiot. Uh, Yes, name me one American who has said that Suleimani was a good guy. Uh, They are different. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. um, I played a montage of liberal... uh, media praise for Suleimani in the first hour of the show. Go back to my podcast, which is at whkradio.com, and listen to the American media fawning over what an inspiring leader um, Suleimani was. If you don't, you, if you don't think calling somebody an inspirational leader and a brilliant strategist, et cetera, et cetera, a military man is saying that he's a good guy, then you have different definitions than I do. But go back and listen to it. I'm not going to replay it for you. And by the way, you calling Peter Kersenow an idiot, that would be like me calling, um, uh, you know, LeBron James a bad athlete. You, you, you just can't do that. Alan in Westlake. Uh, Alan, go ahead. Alan, are you there? Alan, I don't have a lot of time here. I'm going to go to Matt and Medina. Matt, are you there? Yes, yes. Go Thank ahead. You, Bob. Happy New Year. Thank what you. Go right ahead. I don't have a lot of time. Uh, I go back. I'm 92 years old now, so I'm frequent with World War II. If anybody talks like that in World War II, like the way these creeps are going around <laughs> this country talking like that, you know what? You probably know this. Uh, they locked up the Japs. I know, I know, Matt, I know exactly what you mean, my friend. I apologize. i got to let you loose here because I'm up against the end of the show. Mike Gallagher is next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.